Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. We have a great show in store for you today, but I want to tell you something before we get going. Number one, I want to say this is that we've started doing something fairly recent is we've been putting bonus content over on YouTube. What I mean by that is we'll interview a guest like I did today, and I ask them a question that doesn't make the podcast. You can only watch it over on YouTube. It's a fun way for us to get content over there, and we would love for you to check it out. So go find me on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. So my guest today is Lauren Chandler. Now, Lauren has been on the show forever ago, and now she's back, and I am so excited to sit down and chat with her. Lauren is an author, and she's a worship leader at the Village Church, where her husband, Matt Chandler, is the lead pastor. They've got three kids. They live in Texas, and she just released a Bible study called With Us in the Wilderness, which walks through the book of Numbers. It's really encouraging, really well worth your time. Today on the show, I talked to Lauren about what life has been like in the past five years because she was here on episode number 90. Today, Lauren talks about what it was like walking through her own season of wilderness and ministry and family and how crying out to the Lord has helped her just move forward one step at a time. You guys, that's sometimes all we can do is one step at a time. There's no one that's listening to my voice today that has not endured a wilderness season. Lauren puts it this way, that a wilderness season is anything that leads us into something uncomfortable. For some of you, that's right now. For some of you, you remember it so clearly. I want to encourage you, check out Lauren's new Bible study. I think it's going to be a great encouragement to you. Guys, before I get to Lauren on the show today, I also want to tell you we have a giveaway over on my Instagram page. Come find me over there at Jamie Ivy. In the show today, Lauren talks about a She Reads Truth Bible. So we reached out to She Reads Truth and said, hey, can we give away a Bible? And so I have a Bible to give away to one of you guys today. Plus, we're going to give you a copy of Lauren's study. You do not want to miss this giveaway. So go find me over on Instagram at Jamie Ivy. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Lauren Chandler. Lauren, welcome back to the happy hour. I am so glad to be back here. Thanks for having me again, Jamie. Okay. Well, again, it's been forever because you were here in May of 2016. Oh my gosh. Let's all pause for a moment. Five years. Yes. And let's think what our lives were like five years ago. Real different. Real different. I mean, how old is your youngest now? She's 11. My oldest is 18. So she was 13. Oh my gosh. Isn't it (laughs) crazy? That is wild. So pretty much most of her teenage years were between then and now. So my oldest would have been 12. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't know if you feel this way. I was having to go back and listen to an old podcast. I knew that someone had said something I wanted to write down. Right. So I go back and I listen and Kaden now is 17, my oldest. And at the time he was around this age, like 13, 14. And it's so funny because I was talking about him the way I'm talking about my younger kids now. I was like, oh my gosh, he's like moody and emotional, all the things. (laughs) (laughs) And now I look at him like, oh, he's like turned into a man. But my other kids, that's exactly right. I was like, (laughs) wow, I have come a long way with teenagers. It's so crazy. So now five years later, you have an 18-year-old. I have an 18-year-old. She's a quote-unquote adult. (laughs) Quote-unquote. You know, she has the age of an adult, but, and she's 
awesome. I love her. And she is mature in a lot of ways, but you know, she's just at the beginning of adulthood and life and man, there's a lot ahead of her. It's so crazy. Erin and I were talking with a couple the other day and they're like 23 years old, (laughs) about to get married. You're not that much older, right? I know, right? I'm not. In my head, I'm like 30. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. So we were talking and they're, you know, they're 23 and I look at them, I'm like, they're babies. And I remember, I mean, I know you were even younger. I got married at 23. Yeah. I'm like, I was a baby. I was yes. literally a baby. I was one year older than Audrey is now when I got married, <laughs> which I'm like, what? Can you even imagine? So everyone that's listening, I did talk to Lauren five years ago and we did talk about, so we're not going to do it now. We talked about when you and Matt met and how y'all got yeah. married and all the things. And so if you're interested in the Chandler's story, yeah. go back and listen to episode 90. It's there. But today we're not going to go there. We're going to talk about, you have a new Bible study that released in February mm-hmm. of this year. Yes. And Lauren, writing Bible studies is no joke. It really isn't. And I didn't know that I enjoyed torturing myself (laughs) (laughs) until so. And when I was on your podcast in episode 90, we talked about my book that I had written called Steadfast Love. And so right after that, the sweet Lifeway resources, women were just like, but chomping at the bit to get me to turn that book into a Bible study. And so I did. And it wasn't like, well, I'll just copy what I did in my book and make it a Bible study. Required a lot more work than that. But I really enjoyed it because I'm not a teacher like my husband, Matt, who's a preacher. I mean, he can preach for 30 minutes about whatever. And (laughs) off the cuff, I get anxious. I have to really plan, overthink things. I have a like, gosh, writing a Bible study, it gets an I enjoy like the studying. I'm very curious and I like to share what I've learned, but I do better on page, I think, than I do in like talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so I loved turning that into a Bible study. And then just the Lifeway ladies were, we were having lunch one day, they were in town. Jen Wilkin is at our church. And so they're in town with one of her studies. They were recording. He said, "Um, so do you have any ideas about a new study? And I was like, well... I'd recently been reading through numbers. I was reading, I'd gotten the She Reads Truth Bible. It's beautiful. You know, it has like devotionals and all these notes on it. And I was like, if there was ever a Bible that would tempt me to really pay attention to numbers, (laughs) it would be this beautiful Bible. Yes. And so I started reading it and I found these stories and numbers that really intrigued me. So I told the Lifeway ladies, I was like, well... Has anyone done a study on numbers like recently? Because I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I haven't done it. But anyway, that's what started this whole process. And it was a lot harder than doing the Steadfast Love study because I kind of had like an outline already. Mm -hmm. Because of your book. Yeah, exactly. And with numbers, I mean, I had the book of numbers and a couple commentaries. (laughs) Right. Right. That's what I had. So, yeah. Well, I'm so excited. I know I told you this. I did Steadfast Love with some friends. And so I'm excited to go through this as well. I have a group of ladies and we do Bible studies together. And so this is on our list. Well, you know, I am grateful that you wrote this because I've done the chronological reading and sometimes you get to numbers and it is a bunch of beautiful stories, but you feel kind of like, I don't know what this is all doing and connecting and all the things. And the Bible study you wrote is called With Us in the Wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so can you walk us through a little bit about, hey, what's happening in the, like, don't, you know, we don't need the Bible study, we have it, but what is Mm -hmm. actually happening in the book of Numbers that made you go, I think this is really important to study in depth. So when I wrote Step Fast Love, it's, it's based on Psalm 107. 
which is a beautiful psalm. And it kind of highlights God's steadfast love that he shows to his people in four different distresses. And so one is in the wilderness, in the desert, one's in chains, one's suffering from their folly, and the other's being caught in a storm. And, you know, I'd studied a lot of Israel's history being held captive in in Egypt and then, you know, going through the wilderness and being stuck in the wilderness. So I'd already been fascinated with the wilderness story. And I had kind of like a overall view of what happened, but I hadn't really dug down deep in what was going on there. And really, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew numbers had something to do with it, but I wasn't sure. I mean, it's a book called Numbers. Right. And so I discovered that the Hebrew name for that book of the Bible is actually in the wilderness. And so I was like, oh, oh, that makes sense. So it's not just Exodus, it's Exodus and Numbers that talks about the wilderness. And so one, I'm like, it's in our Bible. And so it's important. And the Lord thinks it's important for us to know. And so there must be something in here. And so, you know, there's a lot of rebellion and complaining in Exodus, but there's even more so in Numbers. Mm. And it details a little bit more of Israel's rebellion in the wilderness and how they got a lot of things wrong. But it also shows God's mercy and kindness and faithfulness that He stuck with them that one of the things that Numbers talks about is the tabernacle and actually the setup of the camp, like how the tribes were set up in camps around the tabernacle. And then you had the Levites that were set up around, and then you had the priests and all this order of worship that was important to the Lord. And it kind of was an illustration. The tabernacle was literally God's presence with his people. And so I was so moved by the fact that even though these people complained and rebelled in different ways, like he could have just said, you know what, pull up the tip pegs. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm done with you guys. I don't want to do this anymore. But he didn't. He kept his presence among his people. He led them through the wilderness with a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He communed with Moses. He spoke to Moses. So Moses could speak to the people and he wanted to speak to the people. The people were afraid. They're like, Moses, Mm -hmm. you just go on ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. But he wanted intimacy with his people and he wanted his people to be able to wake up in the morning and see the tabernacle in front of them as they're coming out of their tents Mm -hmm. to remember who they are and whose they are. They're the Yahweh's people and that they are beloved and that he will keep his presence with them. And then he shows them, you know, through the Levitical law, you kind of have to go back and look at Leviticus to understand numbers and how, you know, he had these certain ways of doing life that, that kept his presence there among them. And so that life would run according to God's plan mm-hmm. and so that he could be near them and they could be near him. So yeah, that was just really fascinating to me to just dig down in, understand a little bit more as a Gentile, as someone who didn't grow up Jewish and knowing this history of the people. Yeah. You know, Lauren, I know anytime anyone writes anything, it usually is like there's this overflow of their own life. And, you know, even when I got your Bible study in the mail, I don't think there's anyone that could look at this and think, I've never had a wilderness season. I mean, you (laughs) know, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's just part of life is this wilderness season. And so for you personally, like, what does that look like for you? What kind of wilderness season have you had even recently that you've had to walk through and really remember the things Mm -hmm. that God taught his people then that he's still teaching us today? What does that look like for you? You know, I think a wilderness season would be any time that 
you know, the Lord leads us into something that's uncomfortable, that's not normal. Maybe he just strips some things away. Maybe it's often a waiting season, I think. And the Lord is working in that. And we see that in scripture where, you know, first of all, it's the Israelites and he's preparing them to enter the promised land. And we see David being chased into the wilderness by Saul, but it was the Lord preparing him to be king. And we even see, we see Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted by Satan, tested by him so that he could start his public ministry. And so, you know, there've been times in my life, just different wilderness seasons where it's just been hard and trying to hear from the Lord, him dismantling maybe my ideas of what I think he's like Mm. and establishing, no, this is who I really am. Like you've kind of got this view of who you think I am, but this is who I am. He's like broken down comfort, anything that I've looked to for comfort or stability he's removed and said, and kind of just give me just enough of what I needed. And so that's kind of wilderness in general, but in how it's in general looked in my life. But I would say um, starting in 2018 through honestly, gosh, maybe 2020, the end, the middle of 2020, it was a wilderness season for me in ministry in particular, and being a pastor's wife and being Matt Chandler's wife. We just had a lot of stuff happen at church, you know, seeing my husband's name in the media where they're saying things that aren't true about him, just other like internal stuff happening on staff where it was just hard. It was hard and it was so much more gray than we want. Like we want black and white and it's easy and it's clear and this is where we need to go. And it just... Is so much more complicated than that. And I remember Matt had taken a three-month sabbatical, which he'd never done before. You know, he'd been in ministry at that time for 17 years. Wow. And or 16 years or at the village for 16 years. So took a three-month sabbatical. And we just he didn't do anything. Where before he'd taken a sabbatical and he'd like speak here and we'd yeah. go with him if it was uh-huh. like Florida or to the beach. Yeah. The beach. I know that life. Yeah. Yep. And so, and while we were like, it was probably two or three weeks into sabbatical, kind of a, a maelstrom hit mm-hmm. us, hit the church, hit Matt, just all this stuff. There was just a lot of lies perpetuated and a lot of assumptions made. And I just remember calling our other two lead pastors, calling me saying, Hey, we need to bring Matt in back out of sabbatical so that we can just kind of like deal with this and seek the Lord in this and help our people. And let's get through this. And I just remember breaking down. I was like, I did not sign up for this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want this. And I really was like, is this what I want to do? And then I remember there were just some other things, even personally, like relationally that we were going through, even some stuff with our kids. And it just felt like an onslaught that would not stop. And I really was like, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be at the village for 40 years, which Matt's always said. And and I just questioned everything. And so it wasn't pretty. It wasn't simple, but it really was the Lord was so patient with me. I continued to seek him. I continued to be in his word. I continued to just like cry out to him. I mean, if anything I've learned in the wilderness, it's cry out. Yeah, He's there. Mm-hmm. He might feel far away, but he is not far. Yeah, And so he was faithful to just endure me. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he was faithful to listen to me. And I didn't make any rash decisions, but I did like just talk with Matt, like, hey, you know, this is where I am. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I can do this. But just putting one foot in front of the other, seeking the Lord, seeking his presence, and then ironically started studying in the wilderness or numbers in August of 2019 or started writing it. I'd studied it, but started writing it. And that kind of was Mm. the beginning of coming out of the wilderness, interestingly enough, of my personal wilderness. And then we all entered a global wilderness (laughs) (laughs) in in like March of 2020, uh, which I thought was so fitting. I was like, Lord, how interesting that you would lead me through a personal wilderness. Mm. You would have me write this book on the wilderness or this Bible study on the wilderness, hopefully helping people understand this is what the wilderness was like for God's people and can continue to be like yeah. for people yeah. right before he puts us all yeah. in a wilderness yeah. where nothing's normal, everything's out of sorts, and we're questioning pretty much everything yeah. except Lord. So yeah. When you're telling that story, Lauren, I think about so many people enter into wilderness and don't come out still praising God. I mean, we see that in scripture, like they would, the wilderness, and then they would resort to, I'm going to praise another God, you know? And so we see this happen. We've probably experienced it on a, on a smaller scale in some of our lives. What was it for you? And I know you said you continued to say in God's word and you were open and honest with Matt, but I know there are people who are listening who are thinking it's going to go one or two ways. I'm going to get out of this wilderness and I'm going to still be praising God, or I'm going to get out of this wilderness and I'm done. I don't trust God. What was it for you that like held you so tethered to him so that here we are a year and a half later and you can say, man, those were some of the hardest months of my life and I'm still praising God. Yeah. I do think being in his word did help, but also just asking the Holy Spirit to make it alive. So I am a continuationist. So I believe the gifts of the Spirit are still available. All the gifts of the Spirit are still available now. And a lot of it was, you know, asking the Lord for dreams, asking Mm -hmm. the Lord to enlighten scripture, to let me hear his voice. And especially on the things that were really heavy on my heart. And there's one in particular about one of our kids where I was like, Lord, I mean, I was crying out to him. I would say just more than anything, being honest before him and like crying out to him, not complaining. So the people in in numbers that it didn't go well for tend to complain Mm. and complaining would be like just talking to other people about the problem instead of talking to the Lord and saying, I need you to come through. Mm. And so I think that is one important thing to remember is, is like bring your concerns to the Lord that he can take it. And so I remember coming to him over and over and over about this one kid and like, Lord, I need you. I need like, give me something. And I felt like he said, I'm going to wake them up. I'm going to wake them up. And I've just continued to say, Lord, I believe that was your voice. And I have seen him wake that kid up and it's been amazing. And so some of it has been, being in the word, asking the Holy Spirit to speak, listening for his voice. Mm. There are also just people in my, our lives that are gifted in the prophetic who would just speak uh, you know, words of prophecy over us of just nothing huge, but just something to like a word to sustain the weary. Mm. Just a hey, I am at work. I am doing something. Yeah. Hearing other people's stories of salvation, of breakthrough, yeah. that encouraged me. And so I think that's really important, just 
doing whatever you can to cultivate intimacy with the Lord. And that can look real ugly. That can just Mm. be honest and real. And I don't get this. And finding maybe a few people that love you and that are a safe place for that. And maybe it's kind of going back in your story and kind of looking at some stuff in your past that you're still grieving, you're still hurt over, you still don't understand and bringing that to the Lord in the midst of the wilderness. I mean, I think the wilderness is a time when, you know, when you're kind of all alone and you don't have very many distractions, all that stuff starts bubbling up. Mm. And so I think our tendency is to just distract or cope or cover up. I think it's an opportunity to let that bubble up and bring it to him. And I mean, that might mean seeking professional help. That might mean going to recovery. That might mean um, just really getting to the depths of something that might be broken deep down that the Lord is like, I'm going to move all these distractions away so that you can look at this Mm -hmm. and we can look at it together. And so I think that's so important to be able to come out of the wilderness, still trusting the Lord and having a greater intimacy with Him. That's so good. Recently, Aaron, my husband, was on the show. And I think a lot of that happened for people in 2020 is yeah. that like everything was taken away. And so then you're like, wait, where? what is this that I'm dealing with? And yeah. and Aaron talks about how he even went through some of that in 2020 and was diagnosed with depression of something that had been there for years and years and years and years. And then 2020 hits and you're like, oh, I can't work my way out of this anymore. Yeah. I can't perform my way out of this feeling anymore. And so I think also one of the things that I really enjoy that you just said, and I hope people caught it, is so many times in the wilderness, we want to kind of not go to God because we feel like he's the one that's causing my wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like, can't you just fix this? And so then we're angry and we're chattering with other people, but instead to go towards him and lament <laughs> towards him. I want to ask you another question, and I don't want you to speak format by any means, but Being a couple, you're married, you're both going through hard times. But if I've learned anything about marriage, people deal with hard times differently, you know? And so that can be very stressful on a marriage as well is because Mm -hmm. one person is grieving one way and the other that, or one person is working through hurt or this way. What was it for you guys that kept you together in that as well? Because I've seen that so many times in my own marriage and in other people of something traumatic happens or a wilderness or something happens and sometimes we miss each other. So how did you and Matt stay connected? Because you said you're a little bit like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And my husband is your church and your <laughs> husband are going through things and attack. Yeah. How do I stay in this fight? So how did you and Matt do that together? You know, I think I praise God that the first seven years of our marriage were really hard because I think he was preparing us for the rest of our life, our life together. I mean, we by no means have have it all figured out. Like we're still working through stuff, but I mean, just our marriage is night and day from where it was, you know, however many years that is, we've gotten to the point that I don't, (laughs) how long have y'all been married? It'll be 22 years this summer. Congrats. But thank you. But I think it was praying together and that sounds really holy and righteous more Mm -hmm. more than it really is like, oh, and we prayed together every night. It was not like, oh, dear husband, will you pray with me? Or, you know, it was, we were sitting around the fire at night and I would just start 
pouring out my heart in prayer, especially about one of our kids. And then he would start praying or maybe we'd go on a walk together, especially like in 2020, we were walking (laughs) all the time. We were like, we need to get out of here. And we would pray while we walked and we'd pray in bed. So it was just like literally just opening my mouth and verbalizing my prayers with him there and him doing the same thing with me. It was very real and it wasn't pretty always, but just doing it together. I think that probably was what kept us um, on the same page. Mm. Even when I'm feeling tugged this way and he's feeling tugged that way, like it still kept us together. And I think it helped us have grace for one another when we were indifferent. I feel like we both were struggling. I feel like maybe I was struggling a little bit more than he was, but I think that I mean, as much as it feels like the Bible, the Sunday school answer, it was praying together and and just being honest to the Lord with each other. I love it too, because it's not this, hey, we're going to meet at 830 yeah. and, and we're going to read a verse and then you pray and I'll close. You know, you open, I'll close. But it was, we're just on a walk. We're yeah. just by the fire pit. I'm yeah. washing dishes and you're cooking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I think that so many times we think that that is just kind of a flippant kind of, is this a real prayer? Does this really matter? And God is like, he hears the voices of his kids no matter what. And so I love that so much. You know, I was flipping through your Bible study, Lauren, and I got to the very end. You know, I was looking through the whole thing and I got to the very end and I saw something and I don't know how to say this man's name. Do you know how to say his name? Yeah. Zalofahad. Zalofahad. That's how I would say it. That's how I would say it as well. Now, Zalofahad, I actually wrote about this story in my new book because, yeah, I know. That's why I thought it was so cool that I saw this because, you know, in the part of my book, UBU, that came out in October that I was writing about, it was about, you know, that we have voices that we can use. Like we can go before the Lord. We can, women have a voice is basically what I was saying. Not even before the Lord, like in your community, in your home. We have a voice and we get to use it. And so I use these women Mm -hmm. as an example of that. And so do you want to tell the story of these ladies real quick? Because I love it so much. It's in numbers 26, 27, 27. Uh And then there's kind of like at the very end of numbers, there's a like a little reprise, but okay. Hopefully, hey, if I get something wrong. It's 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 very little about it. I mean, but I just love them so much. I know. So Israel's come to the point. They're about to go into the promised land, but they have apportioned the promised land to different, you know, tribes and families within all the 12 tribes of Israel. And so there's a man named Zelophehad that passed away in the wilderness, but not from rebellion. I'm guessing it was just old age. Oh, good. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew yeah. that he was dead, obviously, from the story, but okay, yeah. go ahead. Because it says, you know, that he wasn't among those who rebelled mm-hmm. because there's a story where the earth literally swallows up group of people. Yeah. He was not one of them is what they wanted to say. Is like, hey, our dad was cool. <laughs> our dad was doing the right thing, you guys. He, was he just he was, was old. Yeah. And so they go to, I think, Moses and say, hey, our father had no sons. And the way that you have it right now is that only the sons, you know, get a portion of the land. And so what about our father's inheritance? Like it's important for his name to go on, for him to have a portion in the land. And so, you know, they come before Moses and the Lord tells Moses, give them what they're asking for, give them a portion in the land. And so I love that because they could have just, who knows what they could have done. I think women in the Bible, 
even though the Lord, he commends Sarah for her faith, which I love. So there's grace. There's grace for these women in the Bible. Right. But a lot of times we have good ideas and we're like, hey, we could do it this way instead. And sometimes that gets us in trouble because we Mm -hmm. do it our way instead of God's way. And so what I love about these women is they had an idea and they submitted it before Moses, before trying to do it on their own or finagling or, you know, trying to make something work. They brought it first Mm -hmm. to Moses to put before the Lord. And so I love that they, they were courageous and they were humble and that they were willing to kind of say, hey, would you do this? Yeah. Yeah. I always like to imagine, like sometimes I think about you know, stories in the Bible. And we have to remember, these are real stories. It's not a made up story. This really happened. Mm-hmm. It's true. There were these ladies, Moses, all the things. But I like to imagine like a movie sometimes. And yeah. sometimes I no idea how Moses was about these ladies. But I sometimes wonder if he was going before God, like, okay, so there's this one thing, like the, <laughs> we got a problem here, God. Like, yeah, there are these ladies and they're telling me this isn't fair. Like, what do you think? I just would like to imagine what that was like. And the way that Moses had to come down after talking with yeah. God which is just crazy and say, yes, he wants you to have your inheritance. Mm -hmm. And I thought that just that story stuck out to me so much. I remember reading it when I was reading chronologically and I got there and I just remember thinking, wow, I was so proud of these ladies. And for me, I know that you talk about it in your book about our inheritance that we have as believers that, that we have because of following Jesus. But I remember speaking about it in my book about how just you do, like you said, like you do get to have this idea and you do get to have a voice. And God was faithful to these ladies and God is a fan of women. He really is. Okay, so Numbers in the Wilderness, it came out in February. And I really would just love to ask, this is totally out of the blue, Lauren. Okay, so stick with me here. Okay. Do you have something else that is brewing inside of you that you think you might be working on next? Well, I am going to be working on a children's book. Uh, oh my gosh. On, well, it's can, funny, Jamie. Can you say this out loud? I feel like I just am like, you're going to have to like, when is this happening? Well, I mean, I haven't, it's kind of sort of written. I'm just taking something that's already been, to, that I've already written. I'm going to make a children's book out of it. It won't be out till like a year and a half, but. What is, where does this from? It's with Lifeway. But I so, mean, like from you, like you already wrote this? Well, it's based on a song that I wrote. Okay. And so it'll kind of be lullaby-ish for for parents to read to their kids before they go to bed. I love it. And so that's what I'm working on next. And then I don't really have anything yet that I'm thinking through. It is always like, I have to wait for the Lord's inspiration or some kind of inspiration. I'm not a, hey, why don't you do this? I have to feel it in my bones yeah. to do it or I, mm-hmm. it's not going to be good and yeah. I'm not going to like it. Yeah. So yeah. something that I do want to do and I'm just trying to figure out time for it is I do want to write at least one more song. <laughs> so it's been interesting just trying to find space for that. I will say there's something else I am working on with my friend, Rachel Joy. And it's like, it's about identity and purpose. And so she's kind of made this whole thing through Sparrow Collective, which is amazing. So I feel like Rachel's the guru. She's done all the studying on it. I'm just kind of riding her coattails a little bit on it, but we've become deacons or deaconesses at our church. Uh And we are helping develop a, we're calling it a workshop so that our people could go through it to kind of discover, okay, 
yes, I know who I am as a Christian. I know Mm -hmm. I'm a child of God. I know who God is, but how has God put me together particularly and that he's put on my life? Like what good works has he, Mm -hmm. does he have me to do? And with my personality, with my gifts, my talents, my passions, where I am in time and space. And so that's something else I am where you asked me the question. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Now look at all these things. I love it. Is this attached to the identity sheets that Sparrow Collective just released? Uh, Kind of. So I will help teach some of that with Sparrow. But then with the church, that workshop, we'll do like an abbreviated. Okay identity sheets. I love the identity sheets that she released and we'll put a link to them in the show notes, you guys, because they are, I highly recommend like Lauren and Jamie both highly recommend them. Yes, we do. (laughs) That's what we could say about that. That's what we could say. Okay. I would love to know what you're reading and I would love to know what you're loving these days. So what are you reading? What I'm reading is a book by Jack Deere called Surprised by the Voice of God, which is about hearing God. So kind of ties in with what I talked about earlier. It's really good. He also has another book called Even in Our Darkness, which is just his testimony. And it's gritty and it's beautiful. I love it. It's probably one of my favorite books, but I mean, it's gritty. Okay. He was like a professor at DTS mm-hmm. and he was also a pastor and the Lord just blew up with <laughs> He just started getting him curious about healing and some other things. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like what I've studied in the Bible is actually still happening now and and with different people. And so just, I'd kind of read it years and years ago, but I I was revisiting it now. So that's what I'm reading. I love it. And then what I'm loving is I'm on a medication right now that really drags out my skin. And so I found this agave lip, uh, it's overnight lip therapy, but I use it during the day because I need it. But it is like the most nourishing lip stuff you can find. And they also kind of, you can get like a mini kit Uh where it's like a scrub, a lip mask, and then the serum, not serum, but like the little pot of the stuff you put on the lips. And I love it. It just, it makes my lips real happy. I make your lips real happy. I love that. I love it. Lauren, it's always a joy to have you on the happy hour. Oh, likewise, um, Jamie. Thanks for coming. And I'm really, really excited about diving into this Bible study. So I know that the hard work you put in is going to minister to thousands and thousands and thousands of women. And so yeah. I'm grateful for that. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jamie. All right, guys, I know that you love this episode as much as I did. Any time I get with Lauren Chandler is just a plus in my book. And it was so great to have her back on the happy hour after five years. In the show, we talk about something from the book of Numbers. And I thought it was so great because Lauren wrote about these sisters in her study. And I wrote about them in my book, UBU. It came out last October. The tagline is why satisfaction and success are closer than you think. And I'm going to read a little bit from my book, if that's okay for you. Here it is from UBU. A little excerpt from chapter three, which is entitled Your Seat at the Table, Finding Your Voice. Here we go. It's not just Esther, though. I'm reading through the entire Bible this year in chronological order. My first time to ever attempt it. When I get to the end of this year and can say I read the entire Bible from cover to cover in the past year, it might be one of the top accomplishments of my lifetime. Around March of my reading, we were in the book of Numbers, sort of an unlikely place, you'd think, for having a moment in God's word where you really want to lean in close. 
But it was a story where God honored five women who used their voices boldly and confidently before their leader, Moses, and ultimately before God. Numbers 26 is basically a census update. The people of Israel were nearing the promised land, and this population report would determine how the land was to be divvied up once they moved in and occupied it. Then, Numbers 27, the accounting was over, and five daughters of a deceased man named Zelephahed, that's my best try at that, you guys, stood before Moses and pleaded their case. Their father had died without bearing any sons, and under traditional rules of that time, daughters did not inherit land from their fathers. Only sons did. If there were no sons, then brothers, and if no brothers, then on to the nearest male relative. The girls were going to be left out. And if they were given no land as their father's inheritance, his name would eventually be forgotten. So they stood up for themselves as well as for the memory of their father, asking for land they thought they deserved. I think of the courage and persistence it must have taken for these ladies to work their way up through the leadership structure, making their appeal to whoever would hear them. Moses, you see, wouldn't have been their first stop. Tiers of judges were in place to handle people's problems. Only if none of them could settle the issue would it get bumped up to Moses. But these women, after taking their request to the judges, finally did appear before Moses, who took it before God. The Lord instructed him to give those women the land their father was to inherit, then took it a step further by declaring a new law in regards to how daughters were treated in matters of land delegation. And if I were still having babies, I would pick one of these ladies and name my daughter after her. I would then tell the story of that woman's courage and strength to my daughter before tucking her into bed each night. These women had no platform, no position. They were just regular women like you and me. Yet they used their voice to address what was right in front of them. And God took notice. He used them to advance his own purposes. You guys, that's a little excerpt from my book, UBU. It came out last October. I hope that you've gotten a chance to read it. If not, I just read some of it for you, but you can get it anywhere books are sold. Guys, thanks for listening to today's show. It was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The music is by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. And coming up on Friday, we have singer-songwriter Jenny Owens. And you're going to really enjoy my conversation with her about her new book called Singing in the Dark. Guys, don't forget, check out my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. You'll find exclusive bonus content that you can only get there. Plus, there's some fun videos from COVID with my family that you might want to go back and check out. We did them last spring, and I still think they're such a good, fun laugh for you if you're interested in kind of just wasting some time on YouTube, you guys. All right, guys, enjoy your day. Thank you for listening. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you back here on Friday with Jenny Owens. Jenny Owens.